and rolling right along through episode eight of season two, Masters of Horror, with Mick Garris's segment, uh, directed by Mick Garris, based on a short story or treatment or like idea by Clive Barker, <laughs> with a script by Mick Garris. This <laughs> is Valerie on the stairs. Mm-hmm. So, Valerie on the stairs, would you like to tell the world what this episode's about? Absolutely. And you know what? I'm going to be able to this time. <laughs> good, if you're good. listening to these in order, you'll hear that I have trouble synopsizing things that I'm like in, in awe of or envious of. I get real dumb. Um, this ain't going to happen here. <laughs> I can't imagine why. We do spoil, so go go deep, girl. Go deep. I mean, if you... Look, I am not going to lie. I had a tough time paying attention to this. But I will tell you, it's... it's, it's Oh, I have so many things. So it's it's basically about a gentleman writer who has not who has yet to be published, and he is applying for residencies at um you know writing things. It's a, this is a thing. I don't think it's well explained, but it's a thing that happens. I bought it. So yeah. he gets a residency. We find out at the end that this is apparently New York City. I call ultimate bullshit. <laughs> Oh, I didn't notice that. I did not realize that. I would have laughed very hard had I. The FDNY pulls up at the end. So he applies. Like Avenue Q of Queens, but okay. Come on, he gets a he gets a residency at like this boarding house in apparently New York, and um, it's amazing. Like like Hallmark Christmas movies do a better job of simulating New York than this one did. It it didn't even try. No, that's fine. It's a huge boarding house. It's an amazing house. It's old, but it's fucking awesome. He gets his own room with a bathroom and, like, a tiny kitchenette. It is phenomenal. And they get to just live there for free while they try to write their first publishable novel. There's a lot of writing bullshit in here that (laughs) makes me want to light a building on fire. Christine, don't you love when movies try to, you know, show the writing process? No. With their, I you know, don't you? Nothing. Oh man, nothing gets me more my juices going than when uh, a character is typing in a typewriter and rips out the paper and crumbles it and throws it in a basket with a bunch of other crumbled up paper. Ooh, yeah, give me that. I, That's how I'm writers really write, gl- right? I'm really glad to hear you say that though, because sometimes I feel like I'm coming from a very, oh god, for lack of a better term, inside baseball kind of place, <laughs> and I don't buy it and I don't want to see it. But like, yeah, you don't want to see it either. No one wants to see it. Well, it's, there's a lot of things. It's why I'm always surprised that there aren't more movies about, like, dancers as opposed to movies about writers. Because what's interesting about watching somebody try to write? Nothing. It's but, interesting when you're reading what they write, not when they're trying to do it. But here's the thing, though. When you've been a writer for – when a writer is your profession – and I will call myself a writer, but I am in no way going to perpetrate like writing is my profession. But you it's are not. a published writer. Mm, sure. But like when people have writing as their profession for a period of time, write, write what you know becomes write about writing. Yeah. And it's, and it's tough. And it's, a, I, am, I am actually thankful that I have other things that I can write about, that I'm not, that I wasn't like 21 with like an amazing career where now I just write stories about how writing is important. True. Like, no, I don't, how re- it's not relatable content. Yeah, this is true. So this man has never been published and he gets to go live for free in this palace <laughs> and can't stop saying what a piece of shit place it is. So frustrating. It's not a piece of shit place. It's really cool. 
anyways, he sees this naked ghost girl named Valerie and she, on the stairs. I mean, it's all right there. <laughs> and um, it's stupid and boring, and it takes forever to start. Really Mick Harris, let's talk. I don't understand. I don't understand. Why did it take so long to start? Why did it take so long to start? They had the same conversations. Like five they times. Had the, they had the same conversation with the same two people three times. Literally three times. Yes. I, I do not understand. I was so bored. So then, I mean, when this girl shows up, I'm still kind of bored. It's also Claire Grant, um, who's great. And I'm, I'm, I, feel, I hope that this was good for her because I felt bad for her. What else uh, has she done? I, she has a long credit list, but I didn't recognize anything offhand. She was, a t- like, she's what you could have referred to as a, as a modern scream queen, I think. Okay. At a point, I just knew her because she was, like, around, and her, her picture showed up places. And she always seemed like, any time I heard her speaking, I thought she seemed nice. And she's fine in this, and she's exceptionally pretty. And mm-hmm. I was just like, I hope that this was okay, and she was okay, and it wasn't uncomfortable. And yeah. she's naked a lot. Yeah, she is. Of course she is. And sitting on the floor naked, and it just was like, Claire Grant, I'm so, I hope this was okay. I hope you liked this. Yeah. But... So she's naked around the around the town, and she's like, oh, writer guy, only you can save me. And like he's like, okay, I want to save you. And then he's asking everybody, what's up with this naked broad? And then also there's this demon that's Tony Todd, which is pretty cool, honestly. <laughs> and then you find out that these other writers that have been there have written this story into existence, and none of these things were real until they wrote about it. And I'm going to tell you, there's some interesting stuff there. That's actually kind of interesting. And I do not understand why it took us, I don't know, what, 35 minutes to get, get to, that? to that part. Yes. That's the cool part. Yeah. Like these. The concepts. These... It's funny. On one hand, like, it's a good concept, this idea of, oh, yeah, they tapped into something and this is in existence now and, and they can't stop doing it. On the other hand, I feel like it is something I've seen before and I kind of hate it because it, what it does is it goes into the whole, look, I'm a horror fan. I love horror. I will watch the, the grossest, most violent stuff. I enjoy it. I have no guilt about it because I'm not hurting anybody by doing it. I'm not watching snuff film. I don't support films where I know bad things happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like true crime because I don't feel, I feel then like I am enjoying something where somebody else suffered. Like, no, I love the world of fiction. I love diving into that because I am satisfying myself without hurting anybody else. So when there's these stories and I wish I could think of a better example, but I know there's others that have done something similar where it's like, Oh, by doing this thing, by writing horror, now you, you are abusing somebody because you created this person and now they're yeah, suffering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of like, well, fuck, I mean, like what? So now I'm supposed to feel bad. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. Emotionally. Like I feel like it's going after me in some way. It's an interesting take. I really didn't see that, but I get, I I, yes, I yes, you're right. It takes a weird morality stance. It's very judgy I... then on people that enjoy horror, and I don't un- think that's what McGarris wanted to do. I mean, there is something to the like pontificating on like your responsibility if you put something dark into the world. Like, yeah. what's your responsibility uh, regarding how people react to it and read it? Um, my response to that is if you're if you, there's very little you have very little responsibility i mean yeah 
but that being like that being said, I I have a lot of shit to say about the people who made the first season of this show. Yeah, no, it's a, that, it's a very good point because it does speak to, and again, nobody watched more episodes of Masters of Horror than Mick Garris because he is the producer of it. He's the creator of it. He so watched true. everybody's episode. He gave them feedback. He suggested cuts or things occasionally. He chose the running order. Like He was yep. so immersed in this. So it kind of is in concept interesting that he would find this idea of what does it mean for a horror filmmaker to just throw awful shit at a woman? But it doesn't actually explore that. Exactly. Exactly. That's what kills me about it. It's like, you know, McGarris, like you were onto something, but you're, and I hate saying it, you're just not a good enough filmmaker to get there. No, when it ended, and we'll talk about the the end. When it ended, I, I, I sincerely and genuinely, this was, it was this was not a read. It wasn't me being shitty. I was like, what was that about? I felt because the same I way. Yeah, I didn't get it, and and I feel like it didn't tell me what it was about. Well, is he was he real in the end? No, I guess not. So was he one of the characters written by one of the three writers? Yes. Yeah, so at one point, Christopher Lloyd, who is in this. Hello, everyone. Hey. Um, Christopher Lloyd says, hey, maybe the other dude that was writing this wrote you in to come save her. Right. So you might not even be real. Do you ever wonder why you just showed up here kind of thing? Which is interesting. It That's is. interesting. But so then at the end, so so back to the plot of this, the main writer dude is like, well, I have to go save Valerie. And... I'm, I want to rewrite the end of this so that she's okay. And then I'm thinking, like, can't Valerie just write her own story? But that's not what this oh, is God, about. Oh, no. no. Women so, don't get to do that. What are you talking about, Christine? So, we so don't like let he, women in this, this season. He saves Valerie, or so he thinks. And Valerie's like, nah, dog, I'm not real. Don't, what are you doing? He pulls her outside of the building, and she, like, disappears. She, like, turns into dust or whatever and goes away. And you're like... Okay, so she was just, she was a figment of this collective group's imagination, and she got brought to life, and she only lived inside this house, and maybe there are supernatural reasons as to why, but I don't feel like they get into that. Mm-hmm. And then, so, main main guy is on the roof, looking at the FDNY, I guess, and then uh, throws a gun at them, which is weird, and then he turns <laughs> into pages. Uh-huh. So he, he was never real, right? <laughs> Yes, no. She, she asks. <laughs> no, I have the same. I didn't know in the end. I did not know. I thought, oh, did he get? Because well, his only, and again, like I, I like that trope of, and I'm trying to think like Vanilla Sky. It happens in like when a character realizes he doesn't exist, that he's just, or he or she is just part of the story. Like that great yeah. moment in Vanilla Sky, which is not that good of a movie, but like when Kurt Russell, you know, no, I'm real. I have two daughters. What are their names? I'm real. I have two daughters. Like, that's always a powerful thing. But in this, we don't even get it because it's unclear. It doesn't, it's, I mean, it's unclear to both of us. And we're both kind of smart. Neither one of us got it. Or I think, I think you were more confident that he was fake. And I'll go with you on that. We, the only other aspect of his life we see is his flashbacks to his relationship with his girlfriend or fiance. But then, but then she's there. Right. Which makes no, no sense. Which kind of leads, I, I don't know. And like, I'm watching it and I can't remember, was he, a, did he 
abuse her? He was an alcoholic. That, and I maybe guess. He, like, maybe he like smacked her around or like they got into fisticuffs because she was upset about him drinking. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Oh, right, right, right. Because then he tells the other guy that, yeah, he used to drink. Yeah. It's it's better than chocolate. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, very, it's very chocolate, though. Yeah. It has big chocolate energy. You know what else? It felt a lot like Witch House. Oh, I thought like, the same thing. I wrote that down. Yeah. Yep. The boarding Zach, house setting. Zach said, is this Witch House? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, is that the same set? Yep, it felt it felt a lot like it. Yeah, young young handsome man who comes to this boarding house yep. and meets kind of kooky characters around the place, and it that would be okay except which house is so much better, so it doesn't help it at all. And even the guys really like the fact that you and I just keep referring to him as the guy tells yeah, you that we didn't bother to learn his name because he's not that interesting. He's not, and and so if you just gave me the elevator pitch of um, there's this weird writer's boarding house and a new guy shows up and three writers who have been there a long time have been working on this thing and has have willed this victim in this demon into demon into existence i'd be like wow that sounds that's cool but i don't know that this was even what that was about like it wasn't that wasn't what this was that wasn't there like i had to dig for that yeah yeah it's it's really buried. And when you and find do- it, it's so clunky because there's so many things that are just in its way for some reason. Yep. Like, I don't under... I feel like every single... When you have an hour, every scene, every conversation, yeah. every character should be pushing towards the end. Yeah. And, and I- every character should be very clear. Even if it's simple. Even if it's your... your This character exists in order to move him to that room. This character exists in order to show that everybody's crazy. But the mm-hmm. fact that I don't really know, like Valerie's motivate. I'm still un- unsure, and I, I can't tell if I was supposed to be unsure. Does she want to have sex with Demon Tony Todd? Does she not want to have sex with Demon Tony Todd? It's, I don't know. I know, and if if her not... if if her not knowing is part of the plot, then that needed to be more clear. Yes, because it makes sense if it is. If the idea is she has no agency because there are three different writers who are alternately making her uh, virginal or making her, you know, loving this demon sex, whatever it is, like, then play with that. Make it, make the fact that she is at their whims part of the story, but that's not there. Yeah, yeah. And, Yes, it just comes off as confusing and you don't yeah. understand. It's like she's begging this dude to save her and you're just kind of like, but is, does she but mean do you it? Want to be, yeah. Is, like, it's weird to say this, but Jennifer did this, told this story better. <laughs> yeah. Which is, it, it was just confusing. It was confusing and it was so simple in, in like light that it had no right to be confusing. It could have, yeah. it could have cleared itself up and all the time that it was being confusing. Yeah, yeah. Um, we should talk about the quote that both you and I probably stopped <laughs> and cackled at mercilessly for 10 minutes when I watching. I said, go back, go back, pause it. I have to take a <laughs> picture of this thing. so I can tell Emily. Yes. So this episode opens with a quote. <clears throat> Culture uses art to dream the deaths of beautiful women, which is spoken by Elizabeth Bronfen, who I don't know who that is. I meant I to look her up. Elizabeth Bronson. Uh, she does not come up when I Google her. So uh, is she not real? 
Ah, it's a really good question. I'm sure she is. I um, asked my my Google Home who she was, but she doesn't always reply to me in a helpful way. <laughs> Bron Fenn, I'm spelling it right. Bron Fenn, no, she, I mean, she's got to be somebody, but what comes up first is Elizabeth with a Z, and it's like LinkedIn profiles for, you know, an oboe and bassoonist and stuff. So that's not her. Aww. So that's interesting on itself. But again, oh, hold like, on, is she a German cultural critic? Maybe. Um, that came up. Oh, okay. You have a better Google than I do. German well. cultural critic. Let's see. Okay, maybe this is her. Yeah. Okay, she yeah, yeah, yeah. Something uh, called Over Her Dead Body. Yeah, death as a fundamental deficit that is often negotiated over female bodies. Okay, I'm kind con- Oh, and she citing Wuthering Heights, Frankenstein, and Vertigo. I'm going to put that on my reading list because I'm very curious about this yeah. now. Could, could, that, could that quote have been used? Uh, out of, I don't even want to say out of context, but without truly understanding what she was trying to say. Well, it's, oh man. It's, I don't know if it applies to this. Like, you know, if nothing else, Nick Aris, you've given us maybe this woman. Because <laughs> I'm looking at like the other things she wrote about. And she wrote about hysteria. She writes about Anne Sexton. Like, all of these, like, uh, all like, my God, I want to read every one of her books just from reading her different synopses. And it's, again, like, Mick Harris is, is a smart man. Mick Harris, I think, is a very educated man. I think he's very well read. I, I can't say it enough. I really enjoy listening to him talk about horror and talk to other filmmakers about horror. I think he is a huge fan. I think he loves the genre. I think he is fascinated by it. I think he did. He produced these shows because he Mm -hmm. wanted these episodes made, because he wanted these filmmakers to have more chances to tell these stories. I respect him. I really do. I just wish he, you know, could tell his own stories more effectively and more as thoughtfully as I think he can about other people's work in some ways. Because yeah. to use that quote, to be, to start with, culture uses art to dream the deaths of beautiful women. Yeah, you're right. That's what every single episode of Masters of Horror has been about. And it's... Why, a, how is this one any different? Exactly. This one is yeah. a, is just using that without... It's, it understands that it's a really interesting idea. I think this episode understands that, yes, we are obsessed with... You know, there's a reason it's a final girl and rarely a final guy. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But one of them is... We, as a society that watches horror movies, prefer, you know, by mainstream to watch a beautiful woman run away than watch a man run away. It's all of these things go into effect. We want to see a beautiful woman tortured. We don't want to see a a handsome man tortured. All this is bullshit, but it's not, as we've seen from Masters of Horror. Um, But that's fine. Like, yeah, okay, McGarris, like, you understand that, too. What are you going to do with it? You're just going to do the same thing, but not in any real clever way where you're bringing anything new to it. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I was bored and I didn't understand the point, which is not a fun way to feel no, when you're watching no. something. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not a it's not one that I'd recommend. I mean, I think if you had to watch, actually, I, you know, I think this is better than chocolate, but I think chocolate's more interesting in some ways. Um, I, I mean, I think if I had to pick, I would pick this one over chocolate. 
I, this is a better episode, but I wonder if I had to watch one of them again, at least I could, at least they're, I don't know. No. I mean, I guess there's things going on in this one. They're just so not cohesive or done well. Yeah. And, ugh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't know. It, uh... Yeah, it's it's not. I don't know. It's it's just, it's a very middle of the road episode for me, and middle of the road in season one would have put it at like number five. Uh, in season two, it's it's you know there's bigger competition, other than you know episodes what four and five. Yeah, yeah. I think my expectations have have kind of shifted. Like, so if something doesn't yeah. uh, like actively upset me. And it just bores me. Then I'm just like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. It's it's not one. It's one that you could skip if you so wish to go through these. And if you're not a completist, um, this is one that I would say you do not have to watch. Yeah, I, I. If you do get something out of it, I'd be curious what it, what it Same. is. Yeah, like because I don't I don't know. Like it just seems very uh, vain and. Yeah. self-important and weird i didn't I, I don't know yeah it's it's you're right it it does because if i don't know it's it's on you you said it earlier the whole write what you know like sure yeah. if i was gonna write a story my instinct would probably be to make it about a woman who's about in her late 30s and has a couple of cats and like all of that but that doesn't mean it's going to be interesting if i am and if i am a writer i'm gonna make a story about a writer and it's it does feel you're right it's self-indulgent yeah, I, I'd be curious to know if, like, what the original Clive Barker idea, story, yeah, whatever, same. is. Because, like I said, there's weird stuff there that I don't, I feel like this wasn't weird enough and wasn't, yeah, I don't, I don't I know. Agree. I yeah. don't know. All right, well, that is Valerie on the Stairs. When next we meet, we're talking well, about, I think, Tom Holland's segment, uh, We All Scream for Ice Cream, which I've never seen following that is it uh oh no you're right i'm wrong right to die is next right to die. the rob schmidt okay. one okay yeah i don't remember if i've seen that one <sighs> i mean maybe it's good i just read the synopsis that was me silently reading the synopsis <laughs> good Not podcasting so everyone <laughs> Well, uh, can it be worse than pelts? That's that's what I will ask myself at every episode I sit down to watch. I uh, I don't know. With one, two, three, four, five episodes left, we're doing it. We're doing it. We're getting through it. Yeah. And I I, I fail to believe that anything is going to be worse than pelts, but we're going to see. I mean, I guess we'll see. The Black Cat is coming up, and yes. I'm very excited to watch that again. So. All right, everybody. It's, all, it's a it's a race to the black cat. <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, uh, I like I usually try to like add some kind of cute like warning of like oh watch out for black cats or you know angry men or you know something. But I don't even remember anything about this episode. So I guess watch out for Tony Todd's cum. Is that is that what it is? Uh, I think that's I believe on the screen at the beginning of the episode, right? Isn't that what that text says? That makes sense. There was a line. uh, Did I hear it right? I want to wash you with my cum. Maybe? Yeah. I mean, I wrote it down. So it's got to be true. I don't remember. Wait, was it tongue? Oh, yeah. So (laughs) this is why I wish everything had subtitles. (laughs) Well, maybe I don't. Yeah, I like subtitles too. Yeah. (laughs) All right, everybody. Be safe. Enjoy the week.
yeah, you, you have fun out there. <laughs> Yes.